0: The Filmographers, the podcast where once a month we pick an actor, binge watch their filmography, and then talk about it. I'm Katie. And I'm Lenny. And this month we are not doing that thing I just said. Uh, we're currently working on our next episode, uh, and it's taken a long time. So in the meantime, we're just doing a little, uh, I guess, mini episode. Uh, we're just going to talk about some stuff. Uh <laughs> like TV and movies, the kind great of job <laughs> typing <it. laughs> Thank you. and we're gonna answer some uh some listener questions. Lenny, how's it going? It's great. Did a great job. Should we get into the the questions from our listeners? Let's get into the questions from our listeners. This first question is from Wesley Mead on Twitter. It's a real question that we got and it goes Lenny and Katie, your podcast seems to have the momentum of a runaway freight train. Why is it so popular? This is a great question. In my experience, what people like about this podcast is they hear the premise and they're just like, that's such a good use of your time. And I just want to encourage you being so productive and healthy and there are no red flags here. That's a really good point. And I would also just like to add that I think that we're both so charming that people just can't get enough of us and and that the fact that our fa- our sanity is slowly fraying as we watch worse and worse movies uh just uh, just adds to that charm thanks wesley <laughs> the next question is from steve fiorillo and he asked about the most consistently good or underrated filmography um for me i think it's two different answers for underrated i would definitely go with david Desmelchin. Mostly just because he's the one who's not a known actor yet, so it makes sense. He would have the most underrated filmography. Um, he's just really great. I hope that he breaks through in a big way in the next couple of years. His filmography has some nice uh, gems that that need more attention, like the Belko Experiment and Gotham. And then uh, for best filmography, most consistently good filmography, I would definitely say um, Michael B. Jordan. For whatever reason, uh, he is the only one who just, like, all of his movies meet the bare minimum of being a movie. And you're like, that was made by professionals. The others, not so much. The others have some in there that are technically movies, but not really. Yeah, I would definitely agree that David Smallton is the most underrated because uh, people don't know who he is. I I think I would say the most consistently good filmography is... I don't know. I feel like nobody's really been consistent. Even, like, people that I proposed, because I was like, I know they're in a lot of good movies, and we're gonna get to watch a lot of good ones. It did not pan out that way. (laughs) Um, I feel like maybe... I feel like maybe David Desmalchin. I think David Desmalchin might be my answer for both. I mean, he's definitely got quite a bit of trash mixed in there, but no one is free of sin. (laughs) Uh, I think... I think David DeSmalton might have the highest proportion of good movies. Bless his heart. This next one is from Sarah Golub, and she asked a uh, favorite supporting actor who couldn't pull off carrying a movie. This one was tough because I really, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt and, you know, hope that it would work uh, if they start in something. But my instinct is, I think, um Hannibal Buress is someone who is like, consistently the best part of anything he's in and yet I can't really imagine him being a leading man. That's a good one. I feel like this might be controversial but I think that Samuel Jackson is is good in small doses and cannot carry a movie. I guess I feel like he carried Pulp Fiction, but, like, that that was just a quirk. And (laughs) ever since then, when he's been in the role, that was more than, like, a couple scenes. Uh, It's been tiresome, much as I I do adore him. This last question is also from Sarah Golub, and she asks, uh, best shared filmography of two actors. Uh, So her example was, like, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks is, like, its own genre. Um, For me, the one that has the... uh, the biggest spot in my heart is uh, James Franco and Seth Rogen, uh, going back to Freaks and Geeks being a perfect show. And um, now, like, like it's not like they have the best movies, but, like, even stuff like This is the End, which I think was, like, mostly a failure. I still like the parts I liked, I think about a lot more than I think about anything else from five years ago. And I feel like um, they could easily make the same movie every year like Will Ferrell did for like a long time and be successful at it but they really don't they really keep trying stuff and I highly enjoy that about them um I th- I really had a lot of trouble thinking of like people that I've seen in one <laughs> movie together who I like at all um I think Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan are only in three movies together right so it wouldn't be that much of a cop-out answer to give people who, as far as I know, are only in two movies together, right? So I'm going to say Robert Redford and Paul Newman for The Sting and uh, Butch Cassidy and The Sundance Kid, which are two truly, truly excellent movies that made me think that I would love to watch everything Paul Newman has ever been in, and we'll hear more about that next month! (laughs) Lenny, now what? Since it's December, I thought it would make sense to make this a best of 2017 podcast so we are going to talk about some of the best movies and then some of the best tv so for movies uh i decided we would each do our top three Mostly because I think we might have the same number one. So I was like, with three, there'll be some variety. So my number three pick uh, for 2017 movies is Spider-Man Homecoming, which uh, I just think is like such an incredible, such a well-done game-changer of a movie. It's the teenagers actually look and act like teenagers. New York actually looks and act like uh, just feels like New York, and uh, you're just like, oh, every Spider-Man movie I've seen before, this this was bullshit. Why did I not realize that before? And it's so thought through. Like, there's this crazy perception. At some point, I think we all started saying, like, realistic superhero movies, meaning like the most gritty and dark thing, but Spider-Man Homecoming is the most realistic superhero movie. Like... Everything facet of it, of it is just, like, our real world, except in a superhero world. Um, so you get, like, amazing details, like uh, when uh, the coach that Hannibal Buress plays is, is, like, playing PSAs featuring Captain America and is, like, I think he's a war criminal. Like, it reminded me so much of being in elementary school when all the maps said the Soviet <laughs> Union and my teachers had to, like, explain that that's not a thing anymore. Um, so it like, has all these real world things mixed with being in a superhero world um, and it's just very it's a very funny movie uh the characters are really well done um i think it was uh the best superhero movie in a year of incredible superhero movies except logan it can get fucked My number three is The Belco Experiment, which we talked about pretty in depth in our David Smoltzian episode. So you should go back and listen to that if you haven't listened to it. But I'll just reiterate now that it is an incredibly fun, incredibly enjoyable movie and it is much more original than I thought it would be based on the premise. Um, it's just it's just a great combination of exciting and funny and upsetting and scary and suspenseful it's just like the most the most fun thing uh, you can imagine but also uh horrible so it's perfect i really feel like this is going to be a movie that's like in my top top favorite movies like forever um and most years the movie that's my number one is kind of pretty good but disposable but it's I don't I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it other than that it's a perfect film. And that 2017 is a really strong year for movies because my number two is a perfect film. Lenny, back to you. Yep, my number one is Brigsby Bear, and I agree with everything you said. Uh really hit me where I live, because it's about only being able to connect to people through your favorite show. And it just it's a really beautiful uh movie. Uh it's like it's an extremely non-judgmental like it's really like you know your coping mechanisms are your coping mechanisms and that's not good or bad it just (laughs) kind of is what it is um it's got a lot of heart and it feels like stylistically it sort of feels like the next evolution of those like mid-thousands comedies like uh napoleon dynamite and hot rod where like that's very like awkward just for the sake of being awkward and Briggsby Bear is like people who are three-dimensional characters that we understand exactly why they're awkward and what these situations are. And it's uh, using that sort of vibe in a way that actually has depth and tells a really great story. And so I'm, it made me excited about sort of like the future of independent comedy. Uh, and my number one is Get Out, which I think is probably a lot of people's number one. And I think that Get Out is just, like, an amazing, great... Yeah, Belko Experiment wasn't in my top three, but it is a amazing movie that I think would probably be in my top three most years. But uh, 2017 was a very strong year, with some great movies, like my number two pick, The Big Sick. It's mostly just uh, because it's a really great rom-com, and for whatever reason, it is very rare for <laughs> really great rom-coms to come out. Uh, you watch it and you're like, that is a great relationship and I'm glad they're together. And also it was funny all the way through. And for whatever reason, most movies cannot do that. <laughs> so good for the big thing. <laughs> um, my number two is sort of my number one because I I feel like I'm still stuck in a tie with my top two movies. But I'm putting it at number two because I've only seen it once and my number one I've seen like five times. Uh, my number two is brixby Bear which is Just one of the most relatable and incredibly funny but also emotionally resonant but also really original and creative movies that I've ever seen and I loved it. And I want to watch it a thousand more times. Lenny, back to you. Yeah, Brigsby Bear is my number one and uh, I think it really beautifully and in a non-judgmental way captures um what it's like to deal with trauma through sort of an obsessive coping me- an obsessive coping mechanism and it really shows it in just sort of like an honest not good or bad kind of way and um it's stylistically uh just like really funny and well done um it sort of feels like a spiritual successor to the like mid-thousands comedies like hot rod and napoleon dynamite but instead of it being like awkward just for the sake of being awkward the characters are like very fleshed out and the situations are very clear and so the the awkward humor is actually like coming from a real place and um yeah it made me really excited about the future of independent comedy and my number one is probably a lot of people's number one it's get out which i love uh because it works both completely as a satire and as a parody of other horror movies and also as its own legitimate horror movie. It's kind of like Scream, which is another movie that I love as well, but it's uh, just a a little bit better (laughs) in every way. Um, Yeah, it's just, it works on every level, and it's an incredible movie. I don't need to explain to anybody that it's an incredible movie because we all know. And I hope it wins Best Picture. And I hope that this is the direction that the horror genre as a whole continues to go in. Because there's been a lot of horrible horror (laughs) movies in the last 15 to 50 years. Lenny, now what? Yeah, it would be nice if (laughs) horror went in that direction, wouldn't it? (laughs) I remember when uh, something compared the Belco experiment to Get Out I was like doubt it and then I watched it and I was like oh huh I guess we're in the middle of a renaissance <laughs> um here's a, a <laughs> random thought sent. Uh, this isn't out of nowhere it's because our number one movies were Get Out and Brigsby Bear but a while ago I was thinking about how uh you know it's so rare for movies to be like genuinely interesting and different and also good like you usually have to pick one or the (laughs) other and like I was thinking about what movies are like really truly like well done uh so I was trying to think of movies that are genuinely different but also like well executed and confident in what they are, and the only examples I could think of were Get Out, Brigsby Bear, and then Going Back a Little while, being John Malkovich, and then I realized all of those were from people with a sketch comedy background. So that's just a thing I thought of. That is a really fun observation, and it's interesting, and um, I hope that the next Best Picture winner is written by Bobby Moynihan. <laughs> so let's get into the Best TV of the Year. Uh, for best comedy, I'm picking Bob's Burgers, which has been my favorite TV comedy for years. Um, it's in season eight now, and I think it's just the most unbelievably consistent TV comedy pretty much ever. Um, eight seasons. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going really strong. It doesn't have um, continuity the way that like Rick and Morty or Archer do, but they're still like satisfying character developments like recently um they did a whole thing like calling out Tina for how mean she is to Tammy that um it's like a really great character episode and um they do some like really interesting things without ever like being up their own ass about critiquing television um like the plotline where uh Tina cheated on a boy she was dating um that was presented in a really like sympathetic non-judgmental way was like one of the more uh ballsy and interesting plot lines I've really seen a teen girl have because it was presented as um you know she felt pressured to date this guy she was not at all attracted to just because he's nice rather than like she led this guy on which is it was much more resonant for me and I've really never seen a story about a teen girl like told that way so they like Uh, In addition to being incredibly consistent, also uh, continued to be uh, interesting, and I'm just constantly impressed with Bob's Burgers. Uh, My favorite comedy of the year is Bojack Horseman, which has been my favorite show on TV basically since it started. And it's just, it's got this great combination of like deeply sad and dark and also like goofy and fun and also even though it is sad and dark there's a, there's always like a kind of hope that all the characters have. It's not a cynical show, it's just a, a sad show <laughs> but it's it's looking for a reason to be optimistic which is a tone that I feel like not a lot of shows, certainly not a lot of animated comedies have um and it's really uh, satisfying to watch and I I was a little disappointed with the last season but this most recent season I thought was was really really strong uh and extra heartbreaking uh and yeah it's uh, I think the best thing on tv slash streaming platforms right now (laughs) My choice for best drama of 2017 is *I Zombie*, which I think is incredible for many reasons, like the way the plot moves along and uh, the surprises and twists. But the main thing that amazes me about it is the friendships and just how strong the relationships are, and it makes you realize that like a lot of TV shows really fucking phone that in, and they'll have like characters go four weeks without really interacting in a significant way and then just, like, have a speech about how they do anything for each other. But, um, iZombie really, really develops the friendships and, um, have so much nuance to them. Like, uh, one of the reasons the zombie metaphor is so strong and so heartbreaking is that you get things like Clive being a person who clearly is afraid of and confused by people like Liv and yet he is a great friend and he really cares about her and that's so... Meaningful and relatable for uh, people watching the show who are in different groups that would relate to that metaphor, and um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just a lot better than other uh, dramas. And I wish that everything was more like a Zombie*. Lenny, that was beautiful, <laughs> and I'm gonna have to watch more of that show. Nice. Um, my favorite drama of the year is *Twin Peaks: The Return*, which I think did an amazing job of reviving a long uh long off the air property and uh I really think it's amazing how much it didn't fall into any of the traps that I think these kinds of revivals uh are prone to like uh I feel like Gilmore girls year in the life did absolutely everything <laughs> that you should not do and then uh and then twin peaks the return was the opposite in every way and completely nailed it. Um, it doesn't feel like it's fan service-y uh, and it doesn't retread the same ground and it doesn't try to just recreate the past because if it did that, it would feel really weird and hollow because everything's different now and lots of the actors from the cast have died and there's just all all kinds of reasons that it can't just be the show that it was then. And instead, it's, it's completely its own thing that just shares some of the elements and some of the characters from the original series. And the the when Twin Peaks was on originally, it was like the weirdest thing that had ever been on TV, certainly on network TV anyway, probably on any TV. Um, but now it's not really that weird. Um, but the new Twin Peaks... Is like once again probably the weirdest thing that I've ever seen on TV. It's totally like the way the first, the way the first one was like a crazy experimental journey. The new one is once again like a crazy experimental journey off of where TV is right now, and uh, it's both very satisfying and very unsatisfying in like a perfect way that you want if you're a David Lynch fan, um, and it. Uh, it every every episode, I was just like so on the edge of my seat. Even if it was just like a five minute shot of a guy sweeping the floor, it's still it's still that got that David Lynch thing of like even though this is something that's totally mundane, I know there's something else going on, and and you just want to pay really close attention and try to fit it all together, even though you obviously never will. Um, uh, so I just think that this was like a perfectly done series. I think it's better than the original series because it's one, one cohesive vision instead of you know the, the nightmare that went off the rails that Twin Peaks became, <laughs> um, and uh yeah, so I think it's definitely the best drama of this year and possibly <laughs> probably one of the best dramas of all time. I add to that that I like when Dougie gets a cup of Joe. So noted, Katie. Would you like to play a little game that the nerds at home can play along with to close out this episode? Uh, Thank you for asking, I very much would. Uh, That'll be up right after you listen to this ad. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I'm Tom Lockney. And I'm Liam Sr. I really like video games and internet culture. And I like movies and TV. And every week we research a true story from our preferred mediums and tell it to the other person. It's super fun and it's great. And even when it gets a little intense, we find the last in it, Damn it! Lots of learning, lots of laughter, sometimes bummers, but lots of friendship. Media majors. Every Monday on the Major Cast Network. Katie, I'm going to read off Snippets of reviews of a movie we have covered on this podcast, featured on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> and you must guess what the movie is. So, for those of you at home, this uh, will this will cover the works of David DeSmulchyn, Octavia Spencer, Kyle MacLachlan, or would I leave out Michael B. Jordan? Okay, are you ready, Katie, to guess this first movie? Yes, I am. All right, your first clue. This movie is probably the smartest and most stylish action movie since The Matrix. It thinks and philosophizes. The subject it thinks and philosophizes about, perhaps not surprisingly considering the times, is the Iraq War. Oh man, I was going to say Blade Runner 2049, (laughs) but it's the Iraq War? Fuck. Okay, I'm going to say that it is one of the few movies we did not watch. Sushi Girl (laughs) with David (laughs) Smulchan. I'm afraid not. Here's your next clue. An exceptionally smart brooding picture with some terrific performances. Definitely nothing we watched was smart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Was that maybe Allegiant? I'm afraid not. Here's your next clue. This movie is a film that's fantastic on the action front, seeds its acrobatics in its own reality, and always feels relevant, even when its ideas are drowned out by clatter. The Belco Experiment. Alright, this, this one, I'll <laughs> give it away. I'm betraying my childhood c- to concede this, but this director has finally topped Tim Burton's two twisted spectaculars. Oh, The Dark Knight? Oh, The Dark Knight was about the Iraq War. Shit! You win this round, <laughs> Lenny. And Rotten Tomatoes. All right, this is another movie featuring uh, another one of those actors. So, Kyle McLaughlin, Michael B. Jordan, or Octavia Spencer. This movie is a bold, gorgeous, sweet, funny, sometimes heartbreakingly ad candy-colored adventure that deserves an Academy Award nomination for Best Picture. Hmm, well, that sounds great. Candy-colored. Uh, okay, I'm gonna say I think that this was some, like, bullshit Christian blog, and I think they're talking about The Shack. Afraid not. Here's your next clue. This is a movie that <clears throat> dares to explore existential crises in the middle of the summer in an animated movie that's aimed at the whole family. An animated movie! Okay, Kyle McLaughlin. Oh, oh, is it Inside Out? Great job. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. This lead actor is so bad and so wooden that he inevitably drags the movie down with him. Okay, I feel like that has to be the only problem here is that I can't remember what this movie's <laughs> called. I want to call it Existence, but that's yeah. different. The fucking, the body swap movie that was the worst <laughs> piece of trash we've ever seen. Lenny's nodding, as if to say that's correct. Uh, what's it called? Swappers. <laughs> uh, changers. Change up. The change up. The cha- <laughs> the changeling. The, ooh, body... Baby (laughs) I don't remember what it's called. No, you got it. It's fine baby (laughs) said like that. X strain. Oh Lenny. Yeah. That was not a good movie. Thank you for that (laughs) hot take. Here's another movie featuring an actor who has been on this podcast. A lightweight and basically unnecessary attempt to once again bring some cinematic life to one of the lesser teams in this universe. Oh, you know that's Fantastic Four! Great job! (laughs) You know Fantastic Four when you hear one. I sure do. In my opinion, that movie was anything but fantastic. (laughs) Oh! Hot take! And in my opinion, it was just one movie, not four. (laughs) Here is your final movie in this game. Don't blow (laughs) it. (laughs) Uh, There are enough under-the-radar subtleties rendered with a refreshing lack of smart-aleckness to make this movie feel current and fresh. It's a modest, unassuming entertainment that's motored by a sly sensibility. Is it, by any chance, is it the Flintstones? This movie excels on so many levels that it stands with the finest of the Disney classics. No, I don't, I don't know. This movie, like its heroine, is zesty, bright, and breakneck with chase scenes and well-tuned gags where you half expect songs to be. Okay. (laughs) Got a zesty heroine. <laughs> I don't have it. The two leads are a great study of how those who have extreme characteristics and are natural enemies can be the best of friends if we set aside our fears. I hate movie critics. <laughs> Sounds nice though. They don't get along, but they they get along. <laughs> oh, it's probably probably stars a dog and a cat, right? <laughs> what movie stars <laughs> a zesty cat? <laughs> I don't know! Uh, I'm a little worried you forgot that this movie was featured on our podcast. Uh, This movie appears (coughs) posed to rule the roost with all members of the family as we sprint free of the Oscars. Straight up, I do not know what that means. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I'm getting further from it. I don't know! Um, This next review is my motto in life. From the first scene of this movie, Disney's latest animated film, the moral is made clear. I straight up cannot think of a Disney movie that has been on this podcast. I don't, I don't know. I don't think you rewatched it for the episode, so maybe that's why it's dimmer in your memory. Um, hmm. Zootopia? Oh, why are these reviews all so positive? People love Zootopia, but it fucking sucks. It sucks. (laughs) Guys want to leave you with the message that Zootopia sucks, and I just don't want you to forget that when you're opening your presents on Christmas <laughs> morning. Letty, <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you all for listening, and why don't you, while you're waiting for our, our Paul Newman episode, check out our backlog of episodes, and also some of the other quality programming on the Major Cast network. Why don't you do that, you piece of shit? <laughs> I love you. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.